0: So, welcome to week three of the Gridiron College Football Podcast. Myself, Simon Clancy, along with uh, magazine editor Matt Sherry. Matt, it's the big opening weekend. The kind of, you know, we've had an opening weekend. We had a, uh, more games, but this is kind of the really felt like college football kicked off this weekend. We uh, we had all sorts of games, some fascinating upsets. Uh, we'll get to involving Tennessee, we had the big game last night on ESPN with with Auburn and Oregon, the, the the late drama there. Exciting game tonight, or exciting games tonight. Certainly, Notre Dame get their campaign underway with the inbook book at quarterback, and and um, and then later on, Jalen Hurts in his first game for Oklahoma against Derek Kings Houston, which should be a fascinating game. What were your uh, immediate brief takeaways from a, from a very interesting sort of main kickoff weekend?
1: Um, the Justin Herbert must be waking up this morning thinking I should be in an NFL training camp right now because. You know, it's really difficult to see a road back for Oregon that justifies the decision for for him now after the loss to Auburn. Um, And, you know, the worry I have now for Justin Herbert a little bit is similar to reference Matt Barkley, I think, in the last show, which is you kind of turn down the chance to be a top five pick in the draft and then you have a a not-so-great season and, and, and everything changes. I mean... I was really, really disappointed with Herbert in the game last night. I mean, it was. For, for me, you know, Oregon had that game under control for the for the majority of it, and they needed their star quarterback to make one play, and it never happened, and it never looked like happening either. I mean, you know, we saw him throwing the ball underneath a lot. I, I didn't see him at any point try and stress the defence deep. Now, I understand Auburn's defence is really good, I understand that Oregon. As much as they're very talented in certain spots you would say weaponry offensive weaponry is probably an area where they're lacking a little bit. But for me he needs to turn it loose more and then I mean the last play, you know, you've 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 had a good return, you've got a chance on a Hail Mary on the last play. To throw it out the back of the end zone from forty yards, I just I just find absolutely comical. I mean it's it's dreadful. So I think we said last week there was a lot on the line for Justin Herbert, and 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 for me, he came up he came up way too small for the for the caliber of prospect that he's billed as.
0: I think it was very interesting to see, and I think Herbert has, you know, slipped. Down. I mean, it's you know, it's hard to judge somebody on one play, or on one game, especially given the circumstances, the lack of receiving talent, that the young young guys that he had on the team, the injuries. I, I continued. To fail to see a killer instinct in Justin Herbert when it comes to projecting him to the next level, people talk about him being the, the potential number one overall pick. I don't think that that is a possibility unless something serious happens injury wise to either Tua a tongue of or to Jordan Love of Utah State. I think Love is moving himself above above her. But you see the big arm. You know, people talked up the touchdown that he threw when he threw back across his body, and you know, in the NFL, that gets picked off. You know, it was essentially a jump ball, 40, 45-yard jump ball throw back across his body, across the field. I just, to me, that was a, you know, he, he got lucky with that. And like you said, second half, lots of dump dump off, short underneath stuff. You know, he can only throw what he's given, but I thought it was a very disappointing performance. And actually, what's interesting is that you, you look to the West Coast and you see the performance of Jacob Eason. Um, for Washington, Absolutely. Make, making NFL throw after NFL throw, and you think to yourself, there's a possibility that Eason could end up overtaking Herbert. You know, I know that you know Herbert is very well regarded in NFL circles, but there's going to come a time where people think, does he just have it? Do you, you know? And you love to see quarterback stay in school, but you sometimes think, did Herbert make the right decision coming back? And uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. He I didn't did. think he had in
1: the first place. No. I mean, I I think there's a difference between being a a second to first round fringe guy and being a probable top five pick. I just never think. I didn't, I think the reasons are admirable. I mean, there was. The, I thought the the nice thing about last night is, I mean, it was an amazing matchup, wasn't it, between yeah. two quarterbacks who supported their team. The, the team who they were quarterbacking oh. from being like three-year-old, there was a great photo shown of the pair of them in, in jerseys at, at three respectively. But, I mean, it's troubling. You know, Bo Nix struggled in the first half. That was a big spot for him, a really tough spot as well, because, you know, you, you're going behind a, a not-great Auburn offensive line against a very good Oregon defence. But, you know, what I saw in the last five, six minutes of that game is, is Bo Nix making plays to win the game, and that... Say all the time for me that is what I often judge quarterbacks on. You know, obviously there has to be a level of performance throughout the game, but ultimately, y- your quarterback has to be the guy who elevates himself, or or, or at least stays level when other players struggle at the kind of back end of games. And and I just don't see that in Justin Herbert. And his, I mean, his numbers they showed his numbers under pressure. It's just terrible. I mean, he's completing about forty percent of his passes when he's under pressure. I mean, you know how often was it? Wasn't like Nix was thrown from clean pockets with those players. Even the last player, the touchdown. There's two rushes running free at him, mm. but he stands in there and he makes a great throw downfield. And for me, I just don't think we're seeing enough of that for for Herbert. And then I mean, a, a terrible night again for the Pac-12. I mean, we mm. said that we, we said that it was the same as last year essentially. You know the season on the line for the conference in week one, and and for for Oregon to be so in control of that game, throughout it. I mean, did Auburn lead at any point other than with six seconds I, I don't, to go? I'm not don't sure they so. did. Don't believe so. so. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a tough night for the whole conference, but a, a particularly tough night for the kid because you know it was a it's a brave decision in many ways, and and a, and a, an admirable one in some ways as well, but. I just don't see it, especially in this this quarterback quarterback class class, as well. That's the other thing. You mentioned Jacob Eason, you know, you've got Tua, you've got Jordan Love, you've got... You've got KJ Costello,
0: you've got Kellen Mond, who played very well for Texas A&M, made some really good throws. You know, you've got... um,
1: Jake uh, From as well. Yeah, Jake so, From obviously
0: was was functional last night for Georgia. Didn't need to do anything, you know. And then there's a kind of a, a raft of sort of second street. You know, Stephen Montez of Colorado. Does he get his game together? There's all sorts of players that that are kind of loitering around. It. The Colin Hill of um, Colorado State. The, the, there's talent there, and I think it could. You know, I, Herbert needed to step up last night, and I, and I just didn't see it from him. I just didn't see it. And you talk no, about you talk about, the, you talk about the Pac-12 flip it. You look at the Mountain West. If you're talking for about a sort of biggest sort of mover shaker conference, Mountain West went nine and three yesterday on opening day. You know, you look at and uh, especially uh, you know losing TCU, uh, Utah departing Boise State, obviously not where it was, but you know Boise's comeback victory against uh, against Florida State, which was an absolute disaster for the Seminoles. But you know you had Hawaii's upset uh, of Arizona, then Nevada that, that incredible rally to beat Purdue. Um, and the, and, the, uh, uh, and Boise, as I said, with with that freshman quarterback, Hank Backmeyer coming in and engineering this incredible comeback, 407 yards, looking like probably the best quarterback the school's had since, I don't know, Kellen Moore maybe. Um, and then Wyoming picking up after a 14-0 start down to Missouri, coming back and, and winning 37-31 in Kelly Bryant's first game for Missouri. So, a, you know, a really good performance. Uh, and that's, from-
1: a, that's, a, that's a Missouri... That's a Mizzou team I thought could have a really big year yeah, me as too. well. I mean, Kelly Bryant, there's there's a lot of talent on that team and they've kind of rebuilt after after what happened a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, a huge night for them really when you when you put it into that context. I mean, some some incredible incredible results for them. I mean the the Boise State one in particular for me stands out mm. because I mean you mentioned the best quarterback since Kalamura and, and that's a possibility, but They've always had good quarterbacks, haven't the they, Boise State? They just churned them out, year in, year out. I mean, that was the, the, the question mark lingering over the program, program entering that game, that in, and, then, and then and then we see that happen. performance.
0: I mean, it was you know astonishing to see that, you know, because I messaged you on WhatsApp at, when when Florida State were up 24-6, you know, to blow an 18-point lead at home after all the talk in the off-season, the, the rejuvenated offensive system, you know, Kendall Brown's doing a, a phenomenal job, um... The FSU had 31 points on the board with four minutes left in the first half. You know, scoring plays of 75, 58, 38 yards. But when those big plays stopped coming, Matt, they had nothing. They were 0 for 4 on third downs in the first half, and they they were terrible in the second half.
1: It was just a succession of three and outs, though, wasn't it? It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they got the ball moving and then there was just a great play by the defence. They just kept going three and out. It was... Either the boom players in the first half or just complete bust. And I I I point a lot a lot towards coaching again. I mean, we've been critical of Willie Taggart, but I don't think either of us have ever been convinced by him and, and I mean I've seen nothing again, I mean Boise State Florida State, you it was meant to be a night game. You've had to play them in the middle of the afternoon. You have had all of camp in that sticky Florida heat. Boise State haven't Boise State had to humidify their indoor facility, trying to try and get ready for it. I watched That's the last quarter of that game, and there was only one team who yeah. looked functional on the field in terms of their conditioning, and it wasn't Florida State. Now that to me is just a huge yeah. black mark against the whole program.
0: Forty-nine second-half yards, four first downs, and they were one of nine on third-down conversions in the um, in the second half. I mean, that is a uh, that is a damning indictment. But unfortunately, you know, the seventeen million dollar buyout for Willie Taggart means that it's just not going to happen. He's not, you know, they're they're not going to be able to, unless there is a a kind of an incredible amount of money that gets poured into the, to to the school, they are not going to be able to afford to buy out Taggart and his coaches and then bring in a new set of coaching. So you've got to make the best of the best of what you've got. Flip that to Tennessee. You thought Florida State was bad. I mean, Tennessee, we talked up Tennessee in the, in our preseason preview, about you know things are beginning to change on Rocky Top. We mentioned a, a number of players. Um, this was one of the most astonishing things that a thirty-eight thirty loss to Georgia to Georgia State. I mean, it is rock bottom.
1: Who were two from, and eight last for year. Rocky
0: Top? Uh, astonishing two and ten they were last season.
1: Two and ten, sorry, picked yeah. to
0: finish last in the Sun Belt. I mean, they are one of the worst teams, or certainly valued as one of the worst teams. In in the FBS subdivision, one of the worst sort of, the, if you had them at one hundred twenty fifth to one hundred thirtieth, I think that's pretty much be would be where you were um would be right where they would be, and yet they march into Neyland Stadium, and they turn over the volunteers. It was astonishing. It was absolutely I mean, astonishing. This,
1: this, I, I can't immediately think of a worse loss. You no, know, I can't This either. is this is like Michigan Appalachian State level of.
0: I think this is, and, what, and even I think even a, then, I think it's a lot
1: worse. Because yeah. at least Appalachian State were good within the realm of their their own level of competition. I mean, it's just astonishing.
0: I mean, Pat Ford of uh, I, I, of Yahoo said that it was the worst defeat in the history of of Tennessee sport in terms of University of Tennessee sport, and you'd struggle to find a a, a bigger defeat because it it was absolutely atrocious. I mean, the Volunteers just looked. They look lethargic. They look demoralized defensively, especially when the crowd started to get on top of them. And they just look soft. I mean, this the the first loss to a non-power five opponent since two thousand and eight. I, I mean, if you're a volunteer fan this morning, or if you're the the, the athletic director at, at, at Tennessee, you have got to be you've got to be seriously concerned about what's coming next.
1: Especially when I mean it's Fulmer, isn't it? Who's was the athletic yeah, director now, so of course. you know he he was the coach for all those great. No, that's yeah, Jerry experience, Pruitt, yeah. His guy, but I mean, you look back at the coaching situation with how Pruitt got the job. You know, you it was the most farcical coaching hiring process I've ever seen. They could have had Mike Leach, they could have had Greg Ciano, I mean, who at least has shown an ability to lead a college program and. And Pruitt is the the thing with Pruitt as well is he's 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 been such an arrogant guy that this this uh, it's almost difficult to have too much sympathy for him because they are just I mean you can't lose to Georgia State, can you? It's no. incredible. No. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And and you hear the ride off seasons before they've begun, but th- this season now is going to be they could win the rest of their games, which they're not going to do. And no. You would still be remembering the season for this loss because it is. It is so mind blown isn't
0: it? I mean, the, the, the SEC <laughs> East has one less team that can compete to win it today, and, and and that's the damning indictment of Tennessee after one one week of the season. Let, let, let's flip it to some successes, and let's start with let's start with the return of the Mac, Mac Brown. Six years since he coached, sixty eight years old. His hiring at North Carolina was greeted with a, a deal of skepticism. I think it's it's safe to say. Nobody's going to out recruit Mac Brown, and I pretty much, you know, I can throw Nick Saban into that. Brown is the king of the living room when it comes to recruiting. He brought in a great class, including Sam Howell, the, the true freshman quarterback, who delivered with those two who, touchdown who drives.
1: Fl- oh, he flipped, didn't he? Yeah, as he well. did. I he mean, flipped he flipped, he flipped him like just completely yeah, came flip. in, flipped, done immediately. I mean, it's an it's, it sums up the magic of the man, doesn't two it?
0: Two late touchdown drives, 98 and 95 yards and one of the most media savvy um, coaches you will ever come across. He, you know, he was great on ESPN when he was working and yet he was unable to speak at the end of the game. He started his interview and he stopped. He paused for about six or seven seconds and the reporter didn't feel the silence, didn't lead to his exit. And he was just there just about to cry. It, it was a terrific, you know, there were two and two and nine last season down 20 to nine late in the third quarter to come back and beat the, the, the in-state rival South Carolina, you know, with a you know, a senior quarterback, uh, was a just a terrific indictment of the the sort of coach Mac Brown is.
1: Yeah, and 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 South Carolina are another team with Missouri who I thought if I was looking at the SEC and trying to pick out teams who people aren't really talking as much about but I think could have really good seasons. Those were the two for me, I think. So yeah, I mean, it's just a great. It's. It, I mean, I, I'm. I'm really. I find it like when I first got into college football, Mac Brown was at Texas, and then you had Les Miles, and it's. It's hilarious to have both of those guys back, and 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 I, I think the story of him going back to the to the Tar Heels as well is. It's just a nice story, isn't it? Like it's something yeah. that you don't, I guess, often see. So, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of examples as to why you miss college football in this week. I mean, I watched it. Amazing game between Iowa State and, um, and Northern Iowa. Yeah. I mean, and Iowa, Iowa State snuck that 29-26 and, you know, that's a team we, we were talking, could they be the team mm. to, to break into the mix to try and unseat Texas or Oklahoma? Well, they could have had a disastrous day themselves, but they held on, they got the win in the end, uh, their defence played great all day, Northern Iowa... Had a little bit of fortune on a couple of players, but deserved to get to overtime for the kind of performance to put in. But so many games like that. I mean, there's been some. It's, it's, been, it's been a really, really fun opening week in, in terms the, of the the, the the close games.
0: That hustle from Brock Purdy in in third overtime with the fumble on third and one, down by three points. The ball yeah. was scrambling around, and it looked like Northern Ireland were going to recover it. And all of a sudden, Purdy comes in just diving head first he 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 looks like the fourth most likely person to recover that fumble and uh, and saves the game saves their season really doesn't it yeah. it was phenomenal phenomenal he's a yeah and i mean he's a very good player in
1: the bigger picture i think that i think that i worry for them a little bit without without the guys who went to the nfl i mean i yeah. thought that particularly a wide receiver it didn't look like it did last year no. for brock Purdy. but their defense was awesome i but mean also, their defense played great you lose
0: david montgomery as well i mean that's a huge loss in terms of yeah. just balancing i mean he's balancing the offense he's,
1: he's going be to be starting, starting thursday night right, isn't yeah, he he the is Bears. i mean that's he's, absolutely he's gone in and, and we
0: shall be there and
1: flown through camp we, we will be there will that's, why we're, that's this why we're recording,
0: this recording it now um you mentioned les miles there uh the hat was back on the sideline. We we talked about it in in the new edition of Gridiron Magazine, which you can which you can get now. You can order now. You can pick up from your news agents. Um, and there is a section in, in College Campus about the, the the ten things that we're looking out for in the early part of the season. One of which was the return of the hat, uh, a coach that you and I are both very very fond of. And Kansas, it was only Indiana State, but it, it it was still a win for a for for a Jayhawk team who haven't had many of those over the last few seasons. And w- what was fascinating about what was fascinating about the win was the, the the very first play of the Les Miles era was a thirty-one yard fullback run out of the I formation, which was typical Les. But then they essentially creamed off the game at the end with a sort of reverse flea flicker, wide receiver throw, yeah. two point <laughs> conversion, which is absolutely Les Miles to a T. It was just a beautiful sort of uh, cherry on top of the uh, uh, of the victory pie for Kansas. But but great to see the hat back on the sideline.
1: Amazing, that play sums it up. I'm glad you were the one who had to describe exactly what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, just awesome. Like he's just, I mean, I've I've recorded. So you know that they did this 150-year college football documentary. ESPN. Yeah, it was on after the games last night, so I've recorded it when to watch when I get in. But I mean. Yeah. But For me, the heart is why I love college yeah. football. He kind of exemplifies it. So, yeah, it's awesome to have
0: him back. We, to, we, we talked about Kelly Bryant a little bit. We talked about Jacob Eason. The, uh, another new quarterback... Um, in a new um, environment was Justin Fields who we talked about an awful lot uh, in terms of his potential his upside struggled at Georgia behind Jake Fromm was rated higher than than, than Trevor Lawrence uh, by many of the high school scouting services um, he came in five touchdowns four in the first quarter for Ohio State uh, you mentioned on uh, on our WhatsApp conversation that you could have thrown the touchdown passes that he threw I, I've obviously yeah, you've
1: seen s- me throw I've seen again. you throw the ball that's
0: <laughs> probably not very likely uh, but the less said about that the better but um an encouraging start for field certainly It's good to get good to get the opening game under his belt it's good to sort of banish some of the memories of what happened in the back end, especially that the, the fake punt at the end of the the SEC championship game which you know wasn't really his fault because it was such a terrible call but obviously he was involved in it was uh, just good for him to 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 blow away the cobwebs because it's been a long time since he's taken a, a meaningful snap
1: yeah absolutely and for me you know everything it's got the asterisk that FAU on defence were, were atrocious. I mean, genuinely, it was like they had five men on the field at times. But the, the flip side of that is it, it kind of illustrated to me why it was such a good move for him to go to Ohio State because he gets lost in the Lincoln-Riley love, but I think Day is as good as anybody in, in maybe football generally, scheming offensively and getting guys open. And I've been on the... The wrong end of it as a Michigan fan several times but you know there's some coaches it's a bit like when you watch Josh McDaniels at the Patriots and and I get and I I watch that closely obviously there's some coaches who are just so good at getting guys open and 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 that was evident in this game and and Fields now you know it's It's, a major program he's the face of it now as well it's just it's such a different situation to what he was in in Georgia and really I mean massively exciting for him and for, for Ohio State fans.
0: The top two teams in the nation, the the two teams that battled it out for the National Championship last year, Alabama and Clemson, both rolled to relatively comfortable victories. I think two probably looked a little bit better than Trevor Lawrence who threw a couple of interceptions. Uh, And I'm sure that um, no Clemson fan wanted to see Trevor Lawrence sprinting 60 yards to to try and knock a defensive back out of the goal line to to save a touchdown with one of his interceptions. But, yeah. they did enough didn't they Alabama rolling past Duke 42-3 one thing that I noticed with Bama is that just looking at the numbers only averaged 3.5 yards per carry which is uh, a little bit concerning I would say to start the season because you think that once you know Tua ran up the big numbers 300 yards passing but you'd have thought once Tua came out of the game you know especially with Najee Harris there they would have started to establish the run I know Jonah Williams has gone and there's been some movement on that offensive line but nevertheless it that was just an interesting thing to kind of keep in mind just moving forwards as the season goes along.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, they obviously lost was by such a big number. But actually, you have to give some credit to, to Duke and it's David, David Cutcliffe because, because I, mean, I mean, you know, you know there's, there's such a disparity, a disparity between, between quality of the players on the, on the field. But actually, Duke gave Alabama problems at the start of the game. They were stunting a lot up front and that contributed to what, you, what you're talking about. So, yeah, I think it is a concern because... You know, I mean, it's well, who knows? Because they've got the, their wide receiver talent is better than anything I've ever seen in mm. college football. It's I mean, it. so it, it is a slightly tricky one because maybe they, they won't need a running game. But in your head, you think of Alabama as that team who just are going to run the ball at you and, and make you stop it, and you're not going to be able to do it. So, yeah, I would say it was a concern. I have got a slight concern about Trevor Lawrence, which is. I and and you look back at the national championship game as well. I mean, I obviously am in love with the arm talent. I do slightly worry that does his development get hurt a little bit by how good his wide receivers are at catching jump balls because it feels to me like virtually every big play they make is Lawrence just essentially throwing it up and knowing that T Higgins. I don't think Justin Ross played in this game, but no. I, I didn't see him on the stat sheet. But there was there was two players to T Higgins that I saw that are just. He's literally just thrown the ball up and and Higgins and Ross are so much better than the guys that they're going up against that they can just go up and grab it and for me, down the line in the n f l that is not gonna work I mean it's similar to what you were saying about the herbert thing like it, it, you also need to functionally and i I just think he hasn't nurtured his arm yet and and I get that he's only in his second year, but it's all a little bit gung ho hundred mile an hour in everything that he does, and I think that eventually he'll learn to to roll it back a bit, but also he's not always gonna have the luxury that he has at Clemson in terms of those guys, the way they go up and get the ball is insane.
0: When um when Lawrence goes to the Hall of Fame, um, after winning his nineteenth Super Bowl, we shall play this back the... to you.
1: No, um, I mean no, I'm joking, I'm winding you up. It's it's nitpicking at the highest order with a talent like that, but I do just I do just worry a little bit about that because it, it's such a, I mean and, and it's not even a criticism cuz if i was the quarterback i would do exactly the same thing but there are times i think when and you look at some of the big players against bama where he he's getting credit but the wide receivers are so good man they just make, they're just going up and making the plays a lot of the time as well
0: um let's flip to the late night action the west coast usc the clock is always ticking on Clay play uh, yeah but losing jt daniels i mean they they managed to outlast fresno state late last night. You probably didn't see it. You probably didn't stay up for it unless you're a, 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 a mad uh, USC uh, fan. They won 31 Oh, for not turf fan. Absolutely. But um, Daniel's on the sideline, writhing, well, writhing on the turf when he was injured, on the sideline in crutches at the end of the game. There's no news yet as we do the interview as to, to what's happening, some speculation that it's an ACL, but we, we don't know at this stage. But if things weren't bad enough... For, for Helton's team in terms of the pressure all of a sudden now um, you know you lose the quarterback that you you played with last year that you hoped would grow into what you thought he might be when he left May to die the, the, the very highly regarded high school um, completed 15 of his first 17 passes looking very good um, it, it's got to be a concern for, for Helton hasn't it?
1: A huge concern I mean I, I do feel sorry for him I mean the offence looked great, didn't it? You know, yeah, the move really good. To that air raid system, um, which is, I mean, the idea of USC playing an, or, an air raid offence just blows my mm. mind. You know, the, the team really built upon power running football and Marcus Allen and all those other great backs they've had through there over the years. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a real shame, really, because, I mean, you look at what that scoreline was at half-time, that was set to be... a You know, in terms of the hyperbole that it gets attached to programmes like USC, it was set to be akin to our Texas back, our USC back, because it was such a a positive half. And you know that they're always loaded with talent. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean... mean You've got You've to feel for them. them. I mean, I that's mean, probably, probably. It, 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 looked, it looked, looked a torn ACL, didn't it? You know, yeah. I guess we shouldn't speculate, but ultimately, I, I, just seen we've a, seen enough of those injuries. Yeah,
0: I've just seen a tweet actually from a USC football insider who works for Sports Illustrated to say that USC do not fear an ACL tear uh, after the test uh-huh. came out this morning, but they fear that he will be out for a number of weeks, which is it, it, is, yeah. is no surprise. And they can't,
1: they, they can't afford that, can they? No. Clear Helen can't afford Because he's
0: got such a tough um, round of games coming up.
1: Yeah, the schedule is brutal early. I mean, we said that, and this would have been a great start to it. You know, your offence looks looks really good. So, yeah, I mean, that's a real shame. I mean, I ultimately don't think Helton would have survived regardless because no. I don't think they'd have gone unbeaten. So, did you, I think that's probably what was required.
0: Did you see that they had a 60-yard kick, the, the opening kick? They returned 60 yards um, to open the game against Fresno State, but it was negated. Do you know why?
1: No, I didn't say this at all.
0: They had two players on the field, both wearing number seven. <laughs> Which obviously you can't, you, you can't replicate yeah. numbers. Um, yeah, uh, that's again, not an Again, Nick Saban wouldn't... That wouldn't happen at Nick Saban. Or, yeah, uh, exactly. Or that, that, that's Sweden, kind yeah. of... And, it's emblematic of and, and it might what we're sa- talking about, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it might sound harsh to compare to, to Nick Saban, but USC had one of those five, six, seven programmes that need to... that kind of elite company so yeah I mean it it does it does really sum up what the issues are so a
0: fascinating opening week um, weekend we uh, as you said we're doing this on a Sunday so Houston Oklahoma is to come Um, but what we're going to do is drop in a little uh, a little sort of review of that game because both of us are flying to the United States tomorrow opening week of the NFL uh, obviously, on Thursday night, we shall both be in Chicago for Chicago Green Bay. I then am flying to Clemson to see the, the guy that Matt now hates, Trevor Lawrence, um, ah. against against Mons Texas A and M. Matt heads towards New York and uh, and, and up there, um, taking a number of games as well. What I want to do, Matt, and I haven't mentioned this to you, but what I want to do is uh, essentially steal something that ESPN did for many years and probably still do in their college football uh, post game show that they used to do with. Well, I suppose back with Craig James and uh, and uh, and Coach Corso and and uh, and those guys back in the early days, uh, and still have done it up until. Probably last year, maybe even this year. Helmet stickers. I want to hand out helmet stickers this year, Um, and essentially, what I want is a good helmet sticker and a bad helmet sticker um, from you. And give you, I'll give you a chance to 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 think of them whilst I'm doing mine. It'd be unfair to throw you completely in at the deep end. So I'm going to start with Jacob Eason as a positive helmet sticker. Um, You know, having not played for a number of years, a number of months. Um, to come back in to throw four touchdowns, to look as good as he did, to make consistent NFL throws, and 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 show off that that monster arm. I mean, he's got one of the biggest arms in college football. Um, I thought it was a terrific performance from from him. A big helmet sticker for Jacob Eason. Uh, and I just want to mention. I know we're only picking one, but I do want to mention just Cincinnati Christian. They're an NAIA school. Um, they only started playing three years ago. They are a combined O and thirty three. Since they started playing last year, they lost nine of their 11 games by at least 38 points. They lost 73-0, 73-7, and 70-14. But you cannot keep a good NAIA school down for long. Yesterday, they came from behind to win 20-17 against Warner University. So, helmet sticker for Cincinnati Christian. And my negative helmet sticker goes to another quarterback, it's Justin Herbert. I think you're on the national stage. You had the opportunity to show the NFL to show college football that you were the guy to compete with Tua Tagovailoa. You look at what happened yesterday with the massive trade that the Miami Dolphins pulled with the Houston Texans now almost certainly giving them enough ammunition to to get to the first pick even if they don't end up with the first pick, which I think they will anyway because the team is so bad, but they now have enough ammunition essentially to to parlay that in either into taking Tagovailoa or to taking Trevor Lawrence the year after if, you know, depending on what happens. They they have all the all the picks, all the ammunition. Herbert, for me, just blew his opportunity. He blew it last year against Stanford. He had the chance to win the game and didn't, lost in, in, in overtime at the end there. Uh, and here again on a national stage, I just thought Justin Herbert, you know, just let himself down a little bit there. And, I, you know, that was disappointing for me. What about you?
1: Um, under the radar one, just because of of what we think of the guy was joe burrow at lsu now i know it's only georgia southern but lsu uh, apparently opening up their offense this year for him to throw the ball 23 of 27 five touchdown passes and similar to eason where you actually watch some of the players and see some nice throws in there so interesting career arc for for burrow you know five-star recruit transfers to lsu decent in his first year massive year for him and that's a that's a really, really nice start. Another positive for me David Shaw, the Stanford head coach. KJ Costello got injured halfway, about half time of the. It was actually the last play of the first half. They're playing Northwestern, a good, well coached program, hold them to seven points to win 17 7, and that's with minimal offence from Stanford once Costello got injured. So. For me, that's a really nice start. For a Stanford team, I I didn't know what to expect from them this season. So those are the positives. I mean, negative for me, it has to be Pruitt, um, Jeremy Pruitt, the Tennessee head coach. I mean, you're at home, you've got the ultimate opening cupcake game and you somehow lose it. And I think the point that you made that was a great one was how lethargic the team looked. Now, if you can't get a team up for a home own uh, uh, home opener, <laughs> then I mean, what can you get them up for? Exactly. It's the start of the season, you know. You see performances like that in November when the when maybe the season's already gone off the rails a little bit. But week one, Georgia Southern, not Georgia Southern, Georgia State, sorry, is just absolutely horrific.
0: It's just astonishing. Absolutely astonishing! I, mean, right. I still can't get
1: over it. Yeah. I mean, it's just madness.
0: Imagine being a Imagine waking up in um, imagine waking up in in Tennessee this morning. That's um, that was a big issue, isn't it? Big a, a bit
1: of a bit of love for Bor next too, as well. Yeah, I, I love the story. I mean, first ever game. You, you know, he took over in favourable field position, but you've got to drive your team down the team for a, Absolutely. Down the field to do it. But also a, a bit of love for Gus Malzahn, because they got into field goal Ridge and they could have kicked a field goal, but gave us the great play with the, and still went for the touchdown. So yeah, good, good bit of love all around for the, for the Auburn hierarchy.
0: Absolutely. Matt, thanks as always. I will see you in Chicago this week. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, I will be, as I said, in Clemson uh, the weekend, getting uh, another look at Trevor Lawrence up close and personal, as we did when we were in college, when he was in high school. Matt and I were in, uh, went to Cartersville to watch him play, which was uh, a, a fantastic uh, couple of days that we spent there. Uh, and we shall see you with the college podcast next week. Don't forget to download it. Leave us a review uh, because those things always help. Don't forget to pick up Gridiron magazine. Um you can get from all your favourite bookshop, uh, all your favourite um, uh, bookshops. News agents, news agents, is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> news agents and some rubbish ones too. You can also order it online, um, and you will find it there every month, packed full of interesting and informative
1: articles. Thank you for listening, and we shall see you next week. And they think it's all over. It's not yet. I'm back for a little review of the weekend's action. One of the worst things you've ever done. Yeah, it's Matthew Sherry here. Asai isn't with me at the moment in Chicago. He's he's milling around sightseeing, but the the truly committed member of this dynamic duo is back with you just to look back at the uh, the other two games of, of the week. The big news, I guess, is is out of Oklahoma, where you know three Heisman Trophy winners in a row right now looks favourite to happen after Jalen Hertz's incredible debut for the Sooners against the University of Houston. Hertz, for those who didn't see it. 20 of 23 completions, 332 yards, 3 touchdowns. On the ground, 16 carries, 176 yards, another 3 touchdowns. That's right, he racked up over 500 yards of offense and 6 touchdowns on his Sooners debut. Just an incredible performance from Jalen Hertz. I think for me, though, the big takeaway for Oklahoma in this game is the, the very decent job their new defense did against... Um, against the Cougars and and Derek King, the, the outstanding Houston quarterback. He had a decent day, 14 of 27 two TDs, 167 yards, another 103 on the ground and a touchdown. But, you know, Oklahoma last year, 31 points against that kind of offense. That's better than what we've seen in recent years and I think there's some real building blocks there for 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 down the line. In the other game, you know, I think a little bit of praise for Louisville head coach Scott Gattersville, who's come from... Um, Abalachian State really nice opening game for Louisville they, they did lose to Notre Dame but that was a competitive game throughout against a playoff team from last year so you know I think I think good signs for them because they were an absolute shambles at the end of the Bobby Petrino era um, Notre Dame they've they've started well they've got they've got a they've got a win and, and Ian Buck looked look decent again but you just feel based on kind of Struggling their way through that game at times, that maybe this isn't going to quite be the season it it was last year for them. As we alluded to in the pod, an epic, epic week of college football coming up. Unfortunately, we don't have the individual previews of the games because we're out in Chicago doing all kinds this week. But we will be back next week to review all the action. Some amazing games, so enjoy them. There's there's a, a bunch to pick out. Michigan Navy in the early window should be should be really fun. Cle, Clemson, Texas A and M is is probably one of the biggest games of the season. I mean, you look at the whole schedule and if you put together a, a list of the top 10 most significant games, that would definitely be on there. And then Texas LSU as well. I mean, it's, it, this is a, a truly epic weekend of college football. So as much as the NFL's back, make sure that you watch it on, on Saturday as a, as a wonderful appetizer to the, to the return of, of Red Zone and Sundays of football. It's been great. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Four days like no
0: other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40. And stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6 to March 13. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. Begamblerware.org.